Uh, well, we didn't get it on. <laughs> okay. So, uh, <laughs> you want to repeat it? We can. Okay. So are we going or you want me to tell you? No, I'm going. Uh, well, folks, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Chuck, we're at Chuck Neiser's house and here in Lamar. Chuck, thanks for having us over. Appreciate this. I've got David Sykes, Dr. David McKee, obviously Captain Chuck Neiser, and uh, we're here to talk about Flatsworthy. So real quick, we'll just go um, around the room. You three guys introduce yourselves. Uh, and then we'll we'll get into the conversation. So, Chuck, why don't we start with you? I'm Chuck Neiser, and I'm uh, president of Flatsworthy Fishing Guide here in Rockport. And I appreciate you being here. It's a great opportunity for us. Thank you. Absolutely. Dr. McKee? David McKee, uh, ex-marine biology, mariculture professor. Now I'm totally a manual labor. Uh, glad to be here. David? Uh, David Sykes, um, a former longtime outdoors columnist for the Corpus Christi Caller Times, currently editor of Saltwater Angler Magazine, and doing some other freelance work, writing and photography. Glad to have you here. Thanks for joining us. All right, Chuck, we're here to talk about Flatsworthy, and we're here to um, spread the knowledge and spread the advocacy. And so why don't you just go into... Uh, what Flatsworthy is and how it started. Just give, give us a little background and history on it. Well, a, a lot of us had watched uh, the evolution of the fishing here in Rockport and were co- concerned with the activities that we were seeing that had nothing to do with sportsmanship or regard for the resource. It was uh, it e- evolved into this maniacal, if that's a good word, uh, pursuit of fishing down here and uh, if you if you went back six seven eight years in time and brought that forward and and looked at what this the trend was towards uh, less stewardship less etiquette less concern for the other person and if you took that out in time, you could see where this is gonna was gonna become a disaster. Um, my experience with all of these things going way back in time to the GCCA, legislation can solve some things, but it wasn't gonna fix this problem. <laughs> it just there were there were. Too many trappings here to expect legislation that could help. And people don't want to be regulated anyway. So the only thing to do is start a dialogue about it. You have to start talking about what the problem is. You have to be bold enough to take that forward. And Flatsworthy was formed as a, uh, as a nonprofit to do that. And we held public meetings, and we gathered people together, and we just took off on this trail. It's kind of like running in the fog. I had no idea where it was going to go, what it was going to do. And people started coming in, like David Sykes, and buying into the program and from up and down the coast. And it's evolved into... The production of a video, which I think really exemplifies what's happening to our resource right now. Uh, people, people don't want to be told what to do, and I get that. I understand that. I'm not. I, I don't own any of this water, not one drop, and I'm not telling people what to do. I'm asking people to think about their habits in their pursuit of fishing and to eliminate the things that aren't necessary for their success that would inhibit someone else. How did you get from that the, the concept and, and having – you know, living your life in that manner and having that mantra to the point of, okay, I'm going to actually form, spearhead this effort and form this group. Like, what made you say, okay, just it, 
exemplifying that myself is not enough. I've got to go out and get these people together, and we've got to do something else. Well, <clears throat> I think any problem that you have in life, you can do something or you can do nothing or you can just totally ignore it. And I just, you know, I've spent too much time down here. I started coming here in 1967. Not that that means anything. Um, but, I, you know, when you start talking about the things that are wrong, I helped invent those things. I did all the things that were wrong. I, you can't fool me. I know what's wrong because I've done them. And I've taken a lot from this resource personally, satisfaction-wise. And I was not going to go out of here having done nothing. I'm going to do something. And, you know, and if people misunderstand me, well, so be it. That's tough. But uh, I... I, it was the only thing to do. I'm not going to Austin and, and try to convince somebody that they need to limit people in any way. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to take a message forward that we can all use this thing together if we use our heads and be smart about it. So who, you have, we have two in your inner circle or tight-knit group within Flatsworthy. How did you begin to approach other people, and, and what, who did you seek out and why? Maybe not specific individuals, but what qualities in other individuals did you seek out and, and why to help you in this effort? Well, you, you want people who understand what the problem is. You want people who can help, who are willing to take their time and, and uh, help you in your endeavor. You know, I had a lot, I've got a lot of clients in a lot of places and I've, over the years of guiding, I'm, I'm friends with them. And so you go talk to your friends and, and you, you, you get advice from them and you, you take your own feelings, you take their feelings, and then you build a group. Um, David was always a great supporter of our work in, in, in his articles at the, at the newspaper. And of course, David McKee is, he's an icon down here. And when I was assembling an advisory board, I went to David and he immediately said, yes. I mean, that, that's the kind of people that you want people, you want people who are not in Rockport, they're outside of Rockport. We got people from Austin, Houston, South Padre, you know, yada, 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 where uh, they have, agreed to help us in our endeavor and they've been very active in it so uh, we've held public meetings we tried to explain our um, our views and there's there's resistance and i get it because other things have been tried before and they always ended up with a restriction on you in some way and and so uh, you know there was an effort about oh ten or twelve years ago that was dealing with some of these issues, and I was all for it until I realized that what they're doing is they're telling me I can't go here, you know I'm not going to be able to do it, and I didn't want to do that. I don't want to tell people they can't do it or when they can do it. That's their own business. But to think, to to suggest how they do it, and they consider the the uh, product of of their ex, of their time out here, and 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 consider the resource, and I'm going to do that part. What so, David Sykes? What attracted you? I mean, you've been writing about this for quite some time from the beginning. From, yeah, yeah. So what's um. Tell us a little bit about your story and what attracted you to Flatsworthy. Well, the first thing that attracted me was the the, the leadership. Uh, he uh, Chuck has the credibility to to lead vast groups of people, uh, and you know the more we started approaching these folks, the more we realized that they all agreed with us except for a few. 
I mean, Chuck can be a lightning rod as well as a leader, but, you know, uh, we overcame the lightning rod part of that. Uh, and it wasn't Chuck's personality. It was his message and the threat of the can't do stuff on the water. Um, but uh, the, the overall message in the beginning was more of a, a, a kind of curbing some of the misbehaviors on the water. Um, I mean, the, the civility on the water. And Chuck's right, the trajectory of misbehavior on the water it was predictable where it was going. And uh, I, I had been writing about, you know, boating courtesy for 23 years at the paper, and I never saw them, those articles, have any impact on, on the behavior. In fact, it was with, with the, you know, shallow boat, you know, shallow water boats and, and the higher powered boats and everything, it was getting worse. Um, and, you know, the resource is one of those things that, you know, we kind of we kind of take advantage of it, and that's fine to take advantage of. But if you don't do it sensibly, um, you know, I mean, that's what conservation is: is to behave, you know, or use the resource in a way that allows it to sustain itself. And, and that was not occurring. And, and like like Chuck said, you know, the between the seagrass destruction and the and the marshes and stuff, um, the more people who come down here, I, I, there's a percentage, I believe, of 80% more boaters out here today than there was 50 years ago. Uh, it's probably close to right. Um, more, more people using it and fewer of them knowing what they're doing. Yeah. And you, Dr. McKee, what what was your attraction to this? To <clears throat> well, uh, pretty much what uh, David said. Uh, I've known about Chuck for a long time. And uh, a mutual friend, uh that I think uh, John Pettigrove mm -hmm. is one that uh, fishes with Chuck a lot, good friend of mine, and uh, he suggested Chuck call me, and as he said, it's just bingo right off the bat. I said, Chuck, I've been wanting something like this since day one. I guess my first experience with uh, realizing things are not what they used to be was fishing down at Baffin. And uh, I was I got a late start down there. I didn't get down there till about 1970, and uh, boy, it was pristine at that time. Uh, every boat that went by the cabin, you knew who they were. You knew where they were going to be fishing the next day. They knew you were there because you had your flag up, and everybody went to their spots and did their thing. And of course, we. Uh, we all gathered up at night and talked about how good life was and so forth. But the first thing I noticed down there was there where my cabin is, uh, there's a little reef there where the, the original church, the houseboat, used to be. And that reef was probably two and a half feet tall. And over the next 15 years, that reef was beaten down to nothing but, but soft white, powder on the bottom of the of the bay, the serpulid reefs. And I started seeing that happening everywhere down in Baffin. And most of the problem was as new people started buying boats and coming down there, they didn't know where they were going. They probably most of them probably wanted to know where to run and where not to run. But lower units and waders were hitting these things, walking on top of them. You go out there and find a few of the rubble spots now and s step on them. It's just a big white cloud comes up under your wading boots. And the the uh, lower units were hitting them and destroying them. And uh, at that time, that was probably in the late 70s, uh, some of us started saying, hey, wish CCA would, would kind of look at that. Of course, we were still kind of in the redfish wars and all that, but in the meantime, boat dealers were starting to sell boats in the wintertime, in deer season, in duck season, and in record numbers. And uh, one of the big dealers, premier dealers, here told me that he was selling as many boats in the wintertime, and, and keep in mind, this was in the 1980s, uh, most of them were to first-time boat buyers. And, of course, that would probably be like me going up to the Yukon and want, 
you know, buying a whatever and going out and trying to do the right thing. I didn't, I wouldn't know how to do it, nor did all of these new boat buyers. So I, uh, I started seeing a degradation of uh, the environment uh, by boaters and in some cases wade fishermen as early as the 1980s, but nothing was done about it. Nobody really wanted to approach etiquette because there were so many other, I guess, big monumental problems that we had to get over before we could move over to where we are today. So my experience is, uh, is uh, more down south, and I've really seen some changes down there. And uh, just so glad to be a part of this organization. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, it's, it's, to me, it's kind of, I said this to Chuck not too long ago. I said, uh, Chuck, my view of this is we're kind of taking up where CCA has left off. They're looking for somebody like this to come in and kind of jumpstart this new movement in uh, recreational boating. So just just so proud of what Chuck has done to get us to this point and uh, very, very proud to be a part of this organization. Yeah, a movement, by the way, is the right word to use. Is that really what this is? I mean, it's a nonprofit. But at its very base, it's a movement to try to bring civility back to the base. And uh, I think that we've been really heartened by the, the number of people who have wanted to come on board with us. Um, and, and the detractors have kind of faded away, you know. Um, it makes Chuck's job a little bit easier, you know. <laughs> well, not really. <laughs> you just don't get to see the the year number one well, signs. I get true. to yeah. see. Yeah. I don't, well, I'm, I'm, I'm used to it. So. Well, when you got more people to talk to, I guess you got more. Uh, more you know what you do. You, you, you're gonna have. I don't care what you do. You're gonna have people object. They don't want to listen to you. They don't want to understand. They want to be the center. They want to feel so downtrodden and all of that. There are plenty of people who want to know the right thing to do, and I'd just rather spend my time doing that. Yeah, I believe all the time that I was writing those cur Bay Courtesy articles, I got the feedback. The very little feedback I got was uh, was that most of the people who were misbehaving were simply doing it out of ignorance. It wasn't a malicious act necessarily, although I think that Chuck and I could, have, could mount a pretty good argument that some of these people, the, the neglect is an act of maliciousness. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I think certainly there's both. And, and we, we don't ever view ourselves as a collective group. And we, I think we talked about this the other day. We don't look at the cumulative effects of yeah. our activities. We think of ourselves just as individuals. And we're not. We're a thriving industry with 2 million registered anglers out there on the water. More yeah. boats on the water, as you mentioned, David. So we have to think of our collective impacts. We, Dr. McKee mentioned um, impacts in Baffin. David, you briefly mentioned some that, that, that you've seen. The video protecting the resource that you'll have on your website encaptures a lot of these impacts. It's a great video. Like you mentioned, it really does a good job of explaining and, and demonstrating and showing scientifically and historically what's going on out there. But let's talk about that. Let's talk about some of the um, impacts on the water that we're seeing uh, here a little closer to home in the Rockport area. I, I want to throw one thought in on the community deal. <clears throat> and and you're right. This this is an unofficial community of as a user group. But going back to the formation of all of this, it's our responsibility to demonstrate that we're responsible enough to do something about these items ourselves and not invite regulation from outside. So if we don't if we don't straighten up we're gonna something's gonna happen, and we're gonna force regulation upon ourselves. But if you can, if if that topic comes up, and you can stand up and truthfully say, "Look, we're working on that ourselves. We're trying to do this ourselves. We need your help in helping us, but we don't need to be told." So I'm just gonna throw that out now. No, I agree. I, I'm sorry, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Uh, but your question was about the change. 
Oh, boy. Well, I... Boy, you hate to say, well, it'll been out here since 192, okay? I'm well, no, there's value I'm a in no that. Guy. We'll, we'll, yeah, well, we'll, we'll it, talk it about is. that in a second. Uh, okay. <laughs> but the, the change, uh, and I'm not talking about you, okay? Because I've been here that long, too. <laughs> I'm pointing at David. I love him to death. But here's the here's whole deal. If you're, <clears throat> if you're in one place... Over and over and over, and you open your eyes and you think about it, you can see the evolution of the environment that you're in. You become a student of change, and you realize that nothing out here ever stays the same. It gets better or it gets worse, but... I want it to be like it was in 1967, and it's not going to be. I can see the the change in the uh, mixture of of grasses, and I can see the change in the clarity of the water. I can see the change in the depth of the water, and erosion is a huge factor in all of this. It plays into the species of, of bottom vegetation that flourish. Uh, it, it, and it all just feeds into this narrative. So sunlight penetration, the, the character of the bottom that supports vegetation, uh, vegetation, vegetation, vegetation. That's the key to keeping the integrity of this resource is vegetation. And that's what I see being threatened. It's I think it's amply demonstrated in our video. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, all of, all of the things that are wrong, man didn't do directly with a boat. Okay, and and no no boat has done it. It's the operator that <laughs> that does these things. So you can't say ban this or ban that or you know. It's like, look, just be a good operator and don't tear the place up, and then you know you're fine. <laughs> so, change. There's there's so many changes. I've always I've always compared the water quality down here from like I guess Matagorda to South um, as being separate from my vision of what Galveston Bay was every time I went there, and the clarity of the water. And I honestly see that changing here. And if you ever lose, if you lose the foothold of the halidulies, the turtle grass, the, all of the grasses that are so important to this place, if, you, if they're gone, you're not going to get them back. It's over. And I don't want to see that happen. I want this place to be pristine and as pretty as it can. You know, sea level rise. And all the other issues, uh, they come into play, and it and it, it's just never a situation where you can say, "Well, this is caused by A." It's not. It's all caused by factors that work in concert. And David would well, you know, I, I was in on the inception of the seagrass wars, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I was vilified pretty pretty badly early on. Uh, they called me the seagrass hugger. <laughs> I take that as a, as a badge of honor now. Um, but, you know, uh, I was really enlightened but just by the aerial footage that I saw uh, from Faye Grubbs and some of the other uh, folks. Uh, I know Faye's married, yeah. but I still yeah. remember yeah. her yeah. as yeah. Faye Grubbs. You know, and, and the, the Redfish Bay State Scientific Area uh, was born out of that during the Larry McKinney era at Texas Parks and Wildlife. And, uh, you know, it everybody thought it was going to be terrible just like the three redfish rule you know uh and and it turned out that in the first five years i think they reduced seagrass scarring by outboard propellers by about 45 percent and they did it with virtually no enforcement i mean there there was a rule inside there but you know game wardens really had better things to do than go and see and if somebody tore the you know dug a trench in the seagrass and it was difficult to enforce for Mm -hmm. sure but uh, voluntary, uh, you know, 
compliance is what made that effective, and that's what we're after here. And we think we can do it without any state scientific area, um, especially since we have the state scientific area in Redfish Bay as kind of a, a proof that voluntarium compliance does work. And, and like I said, we have so many people on board with this that we're a much louder voice than any uh, dissenters. Can you tell any difference on the water between people that are in this community and really know what Flatsworthy is about or have heard the message in the lower coast as opposed to out-of-towners? Do you know that? Can you can you capture that in, in any way? I know we've seen some behavior changes when Chuck and I are on the water every now and then. I think Billy and I did too where they're they're giving us a wider berth they they see they see someone you know pulling a boat or drifting they they try to get around and that's where the you know the 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 courtesy issue comes in i I don't think they're destroying anything by giving us a wider berth but i that's you know 500 yards away i don't know uh but i so we have seen some behavior changes i don't know if it's because they recognize chuck's boat or not and they're scared of him they're not scared of me. They know I'm old and weak. I used to be pretty tough, but I, you know, I realize now I got brittle bones. But yeah, there, there's a, there's a real behavior change. There, there were some classic conflicts, you know, years ago between different factions, and uh, in that regard, a lot has changed for the better. I think I, you know, I have to go back to, oh. 20, I got to subtract here, 12, 13, 14, when we still had, we don't have any schools of fish left. I mean, you can, you can go out on certain days and you can find a school of fish and don't tell me, you know, I'm not telling you that we don't have any ever. But I would be able to go out on, on, on a day like yesterday and show you 30 schools of fish, Okay. But the main main thing I'm talking about, there were deep water schools of fish that would have 100 fish in it, and they were all of the same size. And and so they got to herding those fish. They would rodeo them. They would surround them with their boats, and they would they would all clank together. And they and and they was cussing and fighting and all of this stuff going on. And that all went away because the fish went away. Okay, we changed we changed their behavior or something happened, but they're mm-hmm. not. You don't see that anymore. I might go out there and you know on some days find four, five, six good schools of fish, uh, but not thirty. And, and so the the opportunity for bad behavior in that regard went away because we made it go away. Uh, I think I think by and large, with the exception, the worst thing that happened. Maybe I'm getting ahead of the game here, but the worst thing that 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 happens right now is one. Can I say jackass? You can say whatever you want. <laughs> okay. This thing's not edited. Well, I invented a term that all this deals called jackassery. Okay, and and that's what was going on. A lot of jackassery, but one person in a boat. Burning a shoreline, which means he's going to get up in shallow water, and he's going to run up there until he sees the fish, and he's going to shut it down. If or he's maybe he's counting fish. One person can take and ruin the fishing in a bay for that day for everybody else, because those fish are not going to tolerate it. They're going to hear that noise. That typically those flats are near deep water, and he's not doing anything up there except just being a jackass. And if you wouldn't do that, then the next 30 people that came along that day could have a chance of catching a fish. And those 30 people didn't know what he did. They, they didn't, didn't see him do yeah, that. Yeah. So they waste, you know, 30 minutes to an hour and a half or so finding out that there's no fish there, and they just figure, well, they're just not here. They didn't see the jackassery. Yeah. yeah. We saw that down south uh same type of thing, but uh, the clear water was was void of schools of fish. And where did you find fish? They would run for the dirtiest, ugliest water you could find, which was typically pretty close to a shoreline. 
and it, it, we we caused that, and we pushed those fish out there, and uh, that's where we had to start fishing for fish was uh, in the places you wouldn't normally fish and water that you normally wouldn't even look at twice. One thing that Chuck hit on a while ago that I want to want to say about uh, regulation. I was a biologist with Parks and Wildlife here for five years at the Rockport Marine Lab. And uh, part of what we were doing at that time was trying to deal with the, with the bay shrimp fishery. That was all hot and people were coming in, entering, uh, taking too many, all of that. And our motto at the time was what are we going to do about this fishery? So we went around to all of the bay shrimp owners and captains and all and said, look, what you guys have got to do is get together and regulate yourselves or you're going to get regulated out of business. Well, those those guys couldn't any more get along with their own <laughs> header on the back deck than the guy on the rusty boat next to him. So that's exactly what happened. And I think that's a, a good case in point of what's going to happen here is if uh, it's not taken, taken seriously, uh, somebody's going to have to step in and start telling people where they can go, where they can fish, and uh, maybe what days they can fish. So that's happened before. It's happened right here in other ways. But uh, I think that's another another thing that uh, is is on the on the uh, horizon. And I don't like regulation. I mean, I remember when we couldn't no longer drink beer and drive. Remember that? I mean, it was terrible to tell a Texan they couldn't go out in their GTO and drink. I mean, when I turned 21, you could go to the drive-in in Sinton, Land's Drive-In. June Land would buy you all the beer you could drink that night. And the, the, the milestone was to drink a case of beer. And How many people? I did it. <laughs> one person, huh? one person drink a case. I did. I drank a case <laughs> because it was held up there. It was a bar, and I said, "My God, yeah, I'm not going to let so." So anyway, when we couldn't do that anymore, drive around in our hot rods and drink beer, it, it was really serious. <laughs> so uh, we, uh, you know, anyway, Texans don't like to be told what they can do and what they can't do. So it's a good opportunity to educate and uh, hopefully uh, allow this diverse group of anglers, or boaters, I guess we should say, to all uh, intermesh and uh, live happily ever after. That's great. Uh, you, you make a good point about yeah. the education part because I think if you – well, first you have to have a willing pupil. But, I mean, and, and I think Chuck's credibility may bring in some of those – but a lot of people simply, you know, like we said earlier, uh, they, they don't know that what they're doing is 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 detrimental to the resource, and so that that is an arm of this movement uh, is to, is to educate people on, on on the grasses. And you know, when people see sea grasses out there, they don't know if it's widgeon grass or shoal grass, you know. But they need to know kind of the hierarchy of vegetation out there, and need to realize that, like Chuck says, you know, if you get rid of some of the really stable vegetation by running a prop through it or running an airboat over it or whatever, um, the secondary uh, type of vegetation is going to come in there, and it's not nearly as useful to the resource as what was intended to be there in the first place that we destroyed. So how do we you know, we talk about education, and, and you've produced the video. You've had, held seminars. You've talked about it. What else well, there's we going to be what more videos, I think, that to kind of show some of the. If if they don't know what the misbehavior is, we're going to try to seek it out and, and show them. Uh, Let's talk about. So, what are some of the things that give us examples? That I mean, they're obvious to us. We know about. Well, digging trenches through seagrass is one of them. Chuck Chuck makes a major point when he's talking to folks about the difference between tide and, and water level, and and I think that's one of the areas where we need the education the most 
is that just because you see what the tides are that day doesn't give you the relative water level of that day of the spots you want to fish. So if, if you get it in your mind based on the water level at the, at the dock you, you launch from of where you're going to go based on that, you really need to go one step further than that and, and educate yourself on what areas you can fish sensibly without damaging the resource when the water level is such and such. And if that means going to plan B because plan A didn't pan out for you, when you got there, you noticed that the water was too shallow. Uh, you know, most people say, well, I'm hell-bent on going here, so I'm going to continue to, you know, to go on my way regardless of what it destroys. And like you said, the cumulative effect of that is you, know, you end up digging a trench through the, you know, a new pass, you know, through yeah. into the marsh, and that, that, that promotes erosion and hastens it. And, uh, you know, we're just trying to guard against the things that we can do to, to degradate the, uh, the, the resource because we can't stop nature. We can't stop Hurricane Harvey. It did a lot, but we, we, we helped it along. Mm-hmm. Well, that that is one of my pet deals is that tide has nothing to do with water level. Well, it has so something to do with it, but it, it's not it's not it's not the determining factor. Not, not not in the sense of of understanding where you can go on at a given point in time. People yeah. say, "Well, how's the tide?" Well, we're going to have it. You know, it's going to happen. It's a lunar, lunar event. It's going to happen every day. The question is, from what water level does that launch itself? And, and then when you put those two together, then you have, you can stand at the dock and have a clear understanding of what the conditions are on some tidal lake or on some flat or in some cove or on some shoreline. So... Knowing, knowing those things can help reduce our impact on the resource, and it can help you in your fishing too because yeah, you right, don't have as much right. downtime. But you need, you know, they, it's just two different things. So your your average, your less than average or slightly average guy is not going to. He's not out here enough to know, to know that. Well, you can so, consult the NOAA chart though online and and. Chuck, I that's, think that's part of his exactly, message. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, everybody's I mean, got can, an app on their yeah. phone, so, you know. But they need to know about it. Right, right, right. It's something that you have to watch over and over. And, you know, people coming down here and uh, first-timers, and they want to go here and they want to go there and they want to go there, ask a question about Bay A, B, C, D, E, and they go there and they hadn't learned a damn thing. Yeah. You know, you got to go to a spot. Mm-hmm. I, I tell people that all the time. There's there's some guys right down here, and they came to me, and they asked me, they said, you know, okay, where are we going? I said, I'm going to tell you what you do. You get over in St. Charles Bay, and you don't fish anywhere else for the next two years. <laughs> and you go, and you learn St. Charles Bay. It's not a huge bay. It's a great bay. But you go learn the factors there of water level and tide and time of the year and heat and water temperature. And then you can take that knowledge and apply it to any other base system because you have truly learned something. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. Good point. Yeah, people yeah. come down here and they say, oh, I've heard about Baffin Bay. Let's go there. Yeah. And you go, well, it's really not on right now. You know, it's an hour boat ride from JFK. Causeway, <laughs> you know, I said, uh, we're going to go the other direction, you know, and fish Shamrock today instead. And they go, oh, man, we're kind of open on Baffin. You go, well. Why? Because well, you have read stories, probably some of them I wrote, yeah. you know, about how the glory of Baffin Bay, you know, the mystique. But, you know, it just doesn't work that way. No. Well, most people are going to go fishing when they can go fishing, and uh, regardless of what the conditions are. Uh, you know, we Well, they should. And they should. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's how you, that's it's how you about learn. getting out of town. Yeah, I mean, sooner <laughs> or later, you'll, you'll hit a good day. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. So you guys have plans to capture, do another video, and capture some of these, yeah. the potentially capture some of these bad habits. We talked about cutting through, yeah. creating we need a, we need a ditches and channels. <laughs> oh, I got So it. burning shorelines, getting too close to yeah. other anglers. You know, yeah. I got a else? whole storyline in here. And it deals from uh, one of our really 
great friends is Major Ellis Powell. And I, with Parks and Wildlife, he's major for this. You know him. Mm-hmm. And he's all into it. <laughs> he wants to help. And, and he said, the first thing I want to do is a boat ramp. He said. <laughs> oh, <laughs> boat ramp. And yeah, yeah. yeah. And I said, okay, that's the first thing we'll do. Now would be a really good time to do Very that good. on the weekends. I mean, oh, yeah. all the JFK yeah. Causeway, when the line is ridiculous, yeah. and all the guides who go there are launching at 5 a.m. just to avoid the crowds. To get away from yeah. yeah. I think we've got a lot to learn from the people that manage golf courses <laughs> in terms <laughs> oh, of really? managing a boat ramp. Huh. I mean, if they can operate on specific tee times yeah. and keep things moving, and a lot of it is have your stuff together. Wow. You know, drain plug in, battery working, uh, blah, blah, blah. Dump yeah. the boat Simple and go park stuff. the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Doug Pike did a wonderful column on that 20 years ago, and I, I've actually tried to borrow from it a couple times just because, you know, there's a comedy of errors out there. And, uh, I mean, if you really just want to get entertained, go grab a cup of coffee and go to the boat ramp at 630. Just watch. <laughs> just watch. <laughs> You'll find well, all sorts of infractions. The video, all right, so we, you know, uh, starts off with one on uh, the boat ramp etiquette and how to do it and how to park your boat and how not to block others and all, all of that simple stuff that just people want to know this stuff. Yeah. There are a lot of people, you know, a lot of people don't tell me what to do. And that's fine, but there are a lot of people saying, hey, I just really don't know what the right thing to do is, so go, let's go feed them the info. Burning shorelines, uh, herding fish, uh, getting clo- too close to another boat, uh, not, you know, take the time to see if a guy's in a boat, is he drifting or is he anchored? That's a major that's one. A big that, one. That's yeah. a big one right there. Yeah, don't and then look to see if there are people waiting. You can see that boat, and then you see these little silhouettes down there. People actually still wade. You know, <laughs> most of it's gone to this boat fishing and run and gun and go run a fish up and cast at him. But I won't go there. But <clears throat> it, it, there's a a lot of factors that we need to deal with and it's all etiquette and it all needs to be done and it's all going to be shown. And, and the great thing is that it actually helps you catch more fish. I mean, everybody, you know, you applying the same rules that Chuck just listed, it'll helps all of us catch That's more right. fish. That's right. Yeah. Like so, you mentioned, if we're not spooking them off of that here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, and the third, the, you mentioned the other day when we were we were discussing. You had three things that you wanted to accomplish here in the near future, and, and this video is the second. But I can't recall. There was something else that you'd mentioned that you'd wanted a goal in the near future that you'd had for for the or, for the organization, and maybe it's just. Well, how long ago did we talk? My memory. <laughs> well, <laughs> did you write that down? I should not. Ex- <laughs> I don't remember either. <laughs> well, the, uh, the other I one have, is, is the Sea Grant program. Oh, I've that's talked right. about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I have, we finished the video on the vegetation. I want to do the video on boating etiquette, <clears throat> and I, I want to do uh, the Sea Grant program that we're launching uh, that I've provided you some information on. Mm-hmm. Have it here. And that that's basically to uh, gather up all of this experience that and knowledge that exists, uh, chronicling change and trying to gather ob- field observations about the overall health of the system back to the Sea Grant people and, and, and build a library. Of, of what's going on out Data, here. Data, yeah. And, yeah. and, and it's, there's such a wealth of talent down here. I mean, there's so many wonderful groups, Texas A&M, University of Texas, Mission Aransas, Coastal Bend Basin Estuaries. I mean, you just go Sea Grant, you go Heart Research Institute. I mean, you God, the, 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 the knowledge is just yeah. incredible. My criticism is that there's no unification of that to prioritize 
Nobody's looking from the top down that I know of. I'm going to cough. <coughs> I'm sorry. Uh, no, nobody that I know of is looking from the top down saying, hey, this is a priority. We need to do this before we do that. And, and, and you know, I, I think I think the bay is like a porcupine, and, and these, these people with knowledge and expertise are pulling a quill out and going like, oh, yeah, this is cool. You know, I can, yeah. They're I all in their own get, silos. They're all looking right, at things. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and I'm sure they have conferences where they all talk. Well, sure. You know, yeah. but, uh, I've attended some of those agonizing <laughs> conferences. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, everybody just talks about their only bailiwick. But you know? from a holistic standpoint, you yeah. don't see it happening. Yeah. No. Well, Chuck, you mentioned you've been here since 67, and you said not that that means anything. But it does. Imagine if you had this program that you're talking right. about since 1967 and you've been able to document that and what power that would bring to decision makers. It really, well, it really you can go get, you can go get it now. That's what I'm attempting to do is go find these people who have been here that long and bring the, you know, give them a venue to express themselves because they don't have it. You know, I didn't really have a venue until I made one. And, and so what I'm trying to do is make one for them. And there are people who who care about this resource up. They they they're passionate about it. Yeah. Up and and but they just have to have an opportunity. You know, whatever you do, you want to feel like it has meaning. I don't want to go out here and and you know run a marathon and there's nothing to gain from it. You know, so. Yeah. I th- I think I think there's stuff to gain here. Yeah, they get bolsters buy-in for one thing, and the more people you have involved, it just you know yeah. it feeds it it helps promote Flatsworthy. You know, all of this it's a win-win. How can you lose in a deal like this? You know, what you're doing is risking time and. You know, maybe credibility, but what the heck? Yeah. You know, well, I've done is, that over and over. Well, but that's why we enlisted Sea Grant, you know. I mean, that, that's, yeah. let them coordinate it. So the people that want to participate in this, they would be called field monitors? Essentially yeah. citizen scientists. Mm-hmm. Citizen scientists? Yeah. No, I don't like that phrase. Okay. <laughs> no, I really don't. Because, they could be you know, working we're in not... concert with each other, though. Yeah, there you go. I like that word. <laughs> that is one of my favorite words about And, and the, fly, the flyer you gave me, you, you printed out, but is this how, – how can – People listen to this if they're interested. Except, you know, get a hold of this. Is this well, something that it would be on the website? This is going to no. This is really going to sound bad, and I don't mean it to. But we're going to go select. We don't want fifty people. We want. I would target ten or twelve specific people from Galveston. This would be invitation. Invitation. Yeah. Invitation. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. But I, th- I think it, I think it's, you know, if we all stop and we all work together, we can come up with other ideas that can benefit this resource, and do it ourselves, and demonstrate to whoever's watching or not watching down here that we're responsible users of this resource. Which goes back to the point that. So we could say we don't want additional regulation. There, right. be told where to go and what to do and when. And no. Yeah. Well, the we have to be the embodiment of of what what we're talking about. You know, you make change by by being the embodiment, by living the example, not just by opinions and saying something. So I think you've done that. I think all three of yeah. you have 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 done that and and you're continuing to 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 do that i'd like to see this thing grow and and want to help in any any way that that i can help you do that so you got ideas you know let let us know let me know because we like i said early on we're not individuals we're we're a group and we need to be unified as a group to make sure that we can keep doing this in, into the into the future. Yeah, so we don't want it taken away. Well, I think advancing the right narrative about what we really want to accomplish is key. And in this day and time, when you can't have meetings anymore, and you know you can do Zoom meetings and some of the other stuff, we need your help. 
because I, th- I think what we're trying to do is the right thing. And I don't, I don't see anybody else really trying to get to some of these issues. And they're all key to the survival of it. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that we can do a lot of things together. I, I assume you're speaking of the the relationship between Flatsworthy and CCA right now. I mean, y'all y'all can do a lot of things to facilitate our acceptance into the public. And uh, knowing what the true story is, I mean, it goes it goes back to like. We got tagged with closing down the Aransas National Wildlife Refuge. Right. Yeah. And that that was a boy. If you want to make me mad, then they were just should. looking for a reason to hate us, though. At that point, you know, there were people wanting to do the misinformation. Who's, who's they? Just yeah, it's a particular the, user group, and I don't want to bash anybody right okay. now, you know. But uh, I mean, CCA's megaphone really is gonna is gonna be a huge shot in the arm for us. Um, but also, I believe that CCA's mentality generally embodied in their membership is that most of them will agree with our, our movement. I mean, I believe they would. I mean, everyone, if you, if you ever had a conversation with anyone about uh, misbehavior on the water and said, okay, everybody gets to tell two or three of their worst experiences, you can't shut them up. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. So that everyone has been touched by the lack of civility and the misbehavior on the bays. Um, I don't think anyone is immune to that, even the people who do it. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, over time, I would like to see CCA National pick up on this whole concept and have this go out to CCA Texas, CCA Alabama, down the line, because I think this is something everybody is going to buy into. They've got to buy if it. they have yeah. marshes to fish and seagrass beds, flats, and places like that, then they'll 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 want to be a part of it. And I think Florida probably be an easy sell. It's it's become more and more access has become more and more of the conversation nationally, especially with stuff going on right now. Like you know, Florida has, has been a good example. California is a great example right now. And and yeah, it 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 drives home the fact we're, we're CCA's fish first, but access is a short second. I mean, we're we want to be able to participate and have access to the fishery and do it in a manner that's sustainable yeah. and respectful to others. So it's a pretty simple it's, message. It's easy. I just uh, was part of the fish uh, habitat today, fish tomorrow, and I gracefully bowed out of that because I just didn't have the time to put in. But I, w- I would see that segment of CCA as being one that, from a habitat standpoint, that would uh, probably be a subgroup of CCA Texas that might want to be specifically involved with flats. Yeah. I don't know. Have we reached out to John Blaha? I mean, obviously you're here, so. Uh, <laughs> I told John I was heading here. He, he uh, is he in town? He just got back today. Okay. So yeah. Um, no, he's all he's he's excited. He was happy to hear that that I was going to be speaking with y'all. But you're right. What's the point? Well, I say this. to what, you know, we talk about it. We talk about habitat a lot at CCA, and we do we do a lot to restore habitat. And and, we, and it's Habitat Today for Fish Tomorrow is the program in Texas that drives habitat initiatives. But I mean, we can put money into it. But golly, let's try to protect what we have. Yeah, right. you know, it right. yeah. should go hand in hand. Let's keep especially with yeah. some of these natural factors that Chuck and we mentioned in the in the video. You know, we're we're combating some some pretty heavy handed stuff coming down with these hurricanes and greater recurrence of them perhaps and the sea level rise and things like that we better be on our best behavior so that you know we're in a position to not damage as much well harvey harvey did as much damage to san jose island as in my way of thinking bombing it would have done yeah yeah in in, in changing the whole topography of the island, to me, the most important factor out here other than vegetation is current. If you're going to catch fish, you got to have current. And current is what made San Jose Island was kind of like Redfish Bay 
Now, Brandon Root, South Bay, those were all great fisheries 25 years ago because they weren't so deep, and you had current. Uh, deep, deep water runs slow is the old phrase about rivers, mm -hmm. I think. And so if you want current, you got to have shallow water. Well, erosion and time and people and factors have taken that out of of, of South Bay and Brandon Root, and they're not anywhere near the fishery they were. I've got some really neat stories to tell about that, That, uh, but that's a, a different deal. But San Jose Island had entry points where the water would come in basically from the Ranzas Bay, and with the exception of Vincent Slough, which is open and closed and open and closed over time, the water would run into San Jose Island it would settle, and then it would start out. And now Harvey had created has created breaches in the northern part of San Jose Island on 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 satellite imagery is called Balu Island, and that's that's bordered on that's the western uh, edge of Mesquite Bay. And so the water would run in Spalding Bight and through some of the other channels into San Jose Island, sit, and then come right back out the same way. Now it can cross over. Harvey expanded the number of breaches probably fivefold. Uh, current is a function of the depth of the water, um, the water level readjustment between inside and outside, but the main thing is the duration of it. The, current has, it, the longer current lasts, the more influence it's going to have on the fishing. So now instead of the water taking, if you had, if you had a tropical storm come in here and bring a water level with it, not a tide, bring a water level with it, and it's set in that island, and then <clears throat> 25 years ago, that water would be outgoing for three days. And now it's, it's going to be gone in a day because of breaches. There's so many more avenues for it to escape. So you're going to you're going to see so many changes within San Jose Island, and I don't like them. And you know, some of those breaches were exacerbated by boaters. Oh yeah, there was, you know, that's that's yeah. one of yeah. the major points. Here. Yeah. I loved and Chuck and I have discussed this. If we had only collected the data before Harvey hit. To show this, I mean, we have the imagery to show it in our minds anyway, but to really illustrate what happened over there, we could maybe mount a really convincing visual argument, which, as you know, is much more compelling than mm -hmm. just telling them yeah. what you think happened. Uh, but we have the, the, the imagery. that. Well, to I, took, I took some people from a agency over there, and I told them, I said, Can't, you need to come with me, and I'm going to show you the breaches that Harvey did. And they were small at that time. I said, we could go take that straw, uh, what's it called? The straw rolls, the pollution barriers. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, uh, uh, perma, what is it called? It's, uh, uh, they have one around Shamrock Island. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, Geoberm. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. well, the geotube is the plastic tube. tube yeah, but yeah. I'm talking about straw. You could take those straw rolls, and you could go over there, and I said, you can take straw and take wooden stakes and drive it back down in here and stop this right now. Just block it. Right? Just yeah. block it and yeah. let that recreate itself. And they said, yeah, we probably wouldn't even have to have a permit from the GLO to go do that. And I'm going like, well. Let's do it tonight. Let's and go. Nothing, nothing. <laughs> and it's like, well, that's a good idea. You know, I'm going yeah. like, oh, shoot me. You know, come on. And now those things are big, and, and, the, and, and they're changing all of that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. You, you can't, get you can't stop Mother Nature. That's the one dang thing that you can't do. <laughs> but, you might be able to slow can, it down a little bit. Well, you can <laughs> slow it down. Yes, you yeah. can. To your point, though, like you said, it, immediately after the storm, had, they, had something been put into right, place, right. and then to keep boaters from running through it yeah. and exacerbating the problem. Oh, yeah. Every time there's a little bit of a breach – it's usually, you know, uh, just a few boats using it, you know. Eventually, it becomes one that everybody who passes by, they go, oh, look, we can get in this way. And so they do, you know, and just grows and grows. Well, that's, you know, for all the things that are wrong, this is an exciting place to live in and to work in. And there's so much talent down here. And there's so much, so many people who mean well. 
they have to have an avenue to to do those things. They need some direction. They need the, what well, they do. They just need to know. I mean, I can say like, well, why don't they do something about it? Well, you know, it's like Walter Fondren when years ago when I went out in the early days of the GCCA and we went. I never will forget the first time I heard him say that we flew to Beaumont and we were going to start the chapter over there. So we get on Walter's plane. We all fly over there and we all get in front of people and Walter got up and he said uh, he was talking to people and he said you know everybody says why don't they do something about this and he said we are they period in a sense yeah. you know, so it still rings true those were great times <laughs> you know the, the, hard, the hard deal joining the GCCA was a snap you know we had an enemy and we had uh, a, a goal. A goal. We had a problem. There was no fish. We wanted fish. The enemy was the commercial fishermen, and it was easy to get people to join. And 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 the, and they were emotional about it. I mean, it was the redfish wars. It was not. I mean, this is no Mickey Mouse stuff. I mean, this was guns and roses, baby. <laughs> well, there was I mean, w one statement there that really got the, the, the people excited, and that was uh, 500 commercial fishermen are catching more fish than a million anglers, and that's all it took. And, of course, those of us that were on the water knew that already. Yeah. But, uh, boy, it happened in a hurry. But there was, there was an enemy. And there was a goal, and uh, there came GCCA, and uh, we finally overcame. Yeah, now the numbers of recreational anglers who are out there or need to realize that they're part of the problem, yeah. too. But the difference, the difference is in this quest, in this movement, there is no enemy. We're the enemy. Yeah. We're the ones <laughs> yeah, doing good it. Point. Yeah. And so people, you know, People do not want to hear that. They don't, and and I understand that. I, I I want you to join us, you know, but we we have to we have to band together, and we have to realize that we're the one we're the problem here now, and we need to fix that. Well, something I used to write in those uh, columns about seagrass was, you know, conservation is not always convenient, and that's no, that's that's, that's, a that's, good that's point. our barrier. That's yeah. our barrier. Yeah, it's yeah. not convenient. Yeah. Yeah. I paid eighty thousand dollars for this boat. Yeah, and conservation a lot of times doesn't align with technology innovations. Yeah, and that's mm -hmm. we've become too efficient. Well, at, at you, what we do. yeah, it, yeah. It, it's it's never the boat. I mean, that boat's an inanimate object. It's the operator that's always the problem. Just, just like a gun. Yep. That's right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, well, there are plenty of those out there. Soldiers <laughs> kill seagrass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to um, go around you three, and, and if you have a, a, I call it a last cast or a closing thought. If you have one, I would love love to hear it. But just your final message to to those that are listening on. Um, on what we talked about today or how they can be involved what they can do as an individual to to help this cause so david sykes well it's pretty here. easy if any of what we've said here today resonates with you and, and rings a bell as far as your experiences and you you're willing to, to to be part of the solution then by all means go check out the website uh, uh give chuck a call i mean give him some money yeah, that might work. Uh, you know, I mean, we all these efforts take you know take a lot of effort. Chuck's Chuck spends a lot of time on this, and and I I I do too. But you know, his time is uh, is is really taxing at some point. But you know, everyone has something they can contribute to this organization if they are a voter, especially. So uh, come on board. I I agree. Uh, I'm very excited to be a part of this because I, I know it's going to be something that works. And everybody, whether they're a boat owner, a new boat owner, uh, or thinking about becoming a boat owner, really needs to buy into this because 
what we're talking about is really enhancing your day on the water. And the way things are going now, uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go there. Like Chuck doesn't go there a lot. But uh, <coughs> uh, I can really see that fishing, angling, recreation on the water is really going to fall off if something isn't done pretty quick. So get involved. Whatever part of the coast you're on, uh, try to get a chapter started. I think there's one in the Lower Laguna, one in Galveston. Of course, we've got the one here. We're trying to get one jump started in Corpus. Get behind this. This is, uh, this is a savior of what we all have, have loved and, and want to see continue. Well, my final message is thanks for listening and help. <laughs> we need help. help. We need CCA's help. We need your help. And uh, we'll do what we can to deserve it. Well, I think you're, you're like I mentioned earlier, you're, you're living it. You're the embodiment of the message, and you're serving as an example for others to follow. You're not just talking about it. You're doing it. And so I can see that. It's obvious in the video that y'all produced. I'm looking forward to more stuff coming out, and we're going to help in any way that we can because we want to. We want to. Um, we want to keep our access. We want to keep our fisheries healthy. Yeah, and this so. is for all bay users. Yeah. Well, the, your your words are hope for the future, and it's all about the resource. It's all about the resource. How we get it better. Promoting ourselves individually doesn't go anywhere, but promoting this resource does. Yeah. We have to work together. We really do. And I appreciate you being here. Well, thank you. Thank all of you yeah. for, for joining this. Folks, if you want to learn more, uh, uh, hit up Flatsworthy on their website. It has contact information. It has um, ways that you can help. It's a great video on there. And like uh, Sykes mentioned, contact Chuck if you want to learn more. If you want to help. Um, please do what you can to, to donate to the cause. See if you can get involved in a local chapter or even start a new chapter if there's not one in your area of the state. So thank you all. I appreciate it. Let's do this again. Maybe all right. follow up yes. after yeah. after the uh, boating etiquette video. Yes. We yeah. may have some stories to tell. Cool. Okay. Thank you, Shane. Thank Thanks, you. Shane.